0: You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy Well, we are gonna continue our series on discipleship and Jenna Fierre, she has one to me, eyes in her name. Uh, hello, Marguerite, I know you're watching online. Um, but uh, Jenna Fierre is gonna come and she's gonna preach for us. And uh, I really value her heart for discipleship and how she lives it out, uh, both as the CareNet director and as, as a, uh, one of our key leaders within the church. And so I'm excited for this conversation. Take it away.
1: Thank you. Uh, Hi, everyone. Hi, Kyle. (laughs) Hi, Josh. (laughs) Um, I am so excited to be able to share with you guys again this week. Um, And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what is a disciple and what does it look like to be a disciple. And this week, I get to tackle the question of, what does it mean to share your life? Uh, So, when I read 1 Thessalonians 2.8, I kind of get a good definition for what that looks like. And it says, because we love so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. And so, to me, it's more than just sharing the gospel with someone. It's Loving them and sharing our lives with them. It goes past knocking on the doors or standing on a street corner, and it means building relationships and meeting people where they're at and sharing where you are at with them. So, the first step of being or making disciples is sharing your life in an intentional relationship with them. So, sorry, I have a lot of hair. I should have worn it up. I didn't. I don't know why. So I'll try not to touch my hair too much, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but let's stop talking about that, and let's talk about how Jesus did discipleship. <laughs> we're going to be in John 4, and um, just to set the story up, Jesus and his disciples were traveling from Judea to Galilee, and they were going through Samaria. And um, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't like each other. They didn't really interact. Um, we have a whole series on Nehemiah, and we touch on that there, and we're also going to talk about it in footnotes this week, but needless to say, they, they were not friends. They were like the McCoys and Hatfields. They stayed away from each other. So that's kind of the setup. Jesus is tired after doing this journey. He sits down at a well, and a woman walks up to him. So we're going to pick up in verse 7. And it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and you're, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, "'If you only knew the gift God has for you "'and who you were speaking to, "'you would ask me and I would give you living water. "'But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket,' she said, "'and this well is very deep. "'Where would you get this living water? "'And besides, do you think you're greater "'than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? "'How can you offer better water "'than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed?' And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Those who drink the water I give them will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And Jesus replied, Go get your husband. (laughs) I don't have a husband. Oh, now my thing's falling off. Okay, just a second. Pause, please. Pause for dramatic effect. Uh, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you're, you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoken the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that, that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at this mountain where our ancestors (laughs) worshipped. I don't know how to pronounce it, so we're just going to pretend like I do. (laughs) Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him in that way. The woman said, I know Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything. Then Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. I think I skipped something there, sorry, I was... Um, but what's going on in this passage? Uh, when we look at it, we can look at it in our lens of my part, their part, and God's part. And so when we look at my part, which is Jesus, he, he's attuned to their, her questions and he, he meets her where she's at. Um, he doesn't, you know, make her come to him or, and he doesn't shame her for her actions. Um, He does call out the fact that she has five husbands and isn't married to the one that she's living with now, but it's not in a shaming or condoning way. It's just, this is how it is. And he doesn't overwhelm her. Like, could you imagine if Jesus, Jesus and his 12 disciples rolled up and all of them were like, hey, give me water. Like, oh, that would feel like a lot. Um, But instead, he comes alone, and he is able to uh, talk to her and address her in a loving and kind way. And he is willing to share new truth with her. Um, As I was researching the story, one of the things I found out is this woman is the first woman that's recorded that Jesus says, I am Messiah to. Which is pretty cool, because she's a Samaritan. She's not even Jewish, and... um, I think that's really, really awesome. So what's their part? What's her part? Um, One, she's willing to listen, and she's really engaged in this dialogue and asking questions. And she doesn't get offended when Jesus says, like, hey, you've had multiple husbands. And then there's God's part. And I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is prompting her to ask these questions And she's at the right place at the right time. And Jesus is there too. Um, And so that divine appointment that they get to have to interact changes the trajectory of her life. But if you're like me, I'm like, cool, Jesus is perfect. That's great. What about me? I run into problems. And as I was thinking about what is hard for me... When I'm trying to be intentional in my relationships, I came up with four general ideas, and I think there's probably more. But um, let's run through those. The first one is no time. The second one is I have to know exactly what to say. The third one is if I get them to church, they'll become Christians, and. The last one is, I can evangelize from a distance. Or I shared that meme the other day, so I should be good. Um, (laughs) So let's break these down one by one. Um, The no time one. We all live busy lives. We all have things that we're doing that keep us going 23 hours a day. Um, And so as I was thinking about how can we be intentional with our time, Um, two stories popped into my head. The first one is when I was leading middle school ministry um, like forever ago. Um, I would invite the middle schoolers that I was investing in to come shopping with me. Now, Now having raised middle schoolers, I understand that they don't like shopping with adults, but back then, I was the super cool youth leader that would take them to Starbucks first, and then we would go buy all the same things that they would be buying with their parents, but it was me. so, And I got to just take them along and invest in them in a normal activity. Um, another example is um, I had a, a leader named Karen when I was in college, and she would invite a group of us girls over to do yoga together and watch Friends. So it's something we were all gonna be doing. We all really loved Friends. We, so we would watch yoga, or <laughs> we would watch the yogas. Sometimes that's what happened. But uh, usually <laughs> we would watch Friends and then we would do like a really old 1980s Denise Austin like yoga video and it was fantastic. It was a great time. Of us just being intentional and doing something that we are going to be already going to be doing, but doing it together. Um, the second one: I have to know exactly what to say. So, I'm already doing it. I get pretty nervous when I'm inter- interacting with people, um, and actually, since they're not here this week, there's two girls here last week, and I was so excited to meet them, and I was like, oh my gosh, hi, how are you? My name is Jennifer. What, who are you? What, and I'm like, why can't I be normal? Like, <laughs> So, sometimes I feel like I have to know everything, and I, like, I have to know what to say and how to say it, and I should know what to do with my hands, and I usually don't. Like, even now, I'm like, okay. Um, And so, I want to not come across as a weirdo, and I'm pretty sure I do anyway, and hopefully it's just endearing and fun, and they keep coming back, so. Uh, But I'm sure you have that same struggle. Maybe not as weird and awkward as I do, but... I think sometimes we all feel like if we're going to talk about Christ, we have to know exactly what to say, and we need to be able to say it right, and um, that doesn't leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. Our part is to be there and be willing to share, and I I believe God's going to give us the words that we need. So, third one: if I get them to church, they'll become Christians. Uh, don't get me wrong; Rob and Logan are amazing. And they put a lot of time and effort into making a great service. But you being with them at church and you going to lunch with them afterwards, you creating relationship with them is ultimately what's going to bring them to know Christ. Uh, In reality, the most powerful tool you have is intentional relationship. You get to let them know who God is by being in relationship with them. All right, last one. Number four, I can evangelize from a distance. I can send a meme. Logan actually sent me a meme yesterday that was the Cliff Notes version of my sermon. I was like, sweet, we'll just post that. We'll repeat it for 25 minutes and sermon's over. <laughs> um, I think a lot of times we think we can evangelize on Facebook or communicate on Facebook and speak into somebody's life without actually being a part of their life. Um, and if anything, the last year has taught me that that does not go well uh, with all of our Facebook banter and uh, the way we try to be keyboard warriors. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, I have wanted to correct and comment more than ever in regards to new laws that have been passed. Um, and I see misinformation being shared and I'm like, oh, let me, let me tell you what, what's really going on there. Or let me tell you how that really works. And a lot of time my motivation is to be right rather than to be loving. And I don't think that works. I don't think we're called to be right. I mean, we know the truth. There's a difference between knowing the truth and being right. Um, and so I asked myself two questions. Am I trying to be right or am I trying to be loving? And when was the last time I spoke to this person in person? Cause if it's been five, 10 years and I'm going to bring up a comment that's like, let me throw a match, let's burn this place down. Maybe I don't need to make that comment. We were created for a relationship. And to be intentional in a relationship means we need to be in each other's lives. So I'm sure there's other reasons that are more personalized for you that we could come up with. But ultimately, we have to be willing to be intentional, to be open to where the spirit is leading and take steps in that direction. Maybe it's lunch with your coworkers, Or maybe it's inviting that Facebook friend over for a game night to build a relationship with them. Or maybe it's taking your headphones out and striking up a conversation when you're in line. (laughs) Um, So, I recently started reading a book and it's called The Ministry of Ordinary Places. And like in the preface, this quote came and I was like, whew shoot, this'll preach. So it's, it goes like this. As Christ followers, we are called to be long-haul neighbors, committed to authenticity, and willing to take some risk. Our vocation is to invest deeply in the lives of those around us, devoted to one another, physically close to each other, as we breathe the same air and walk the same blocks. Our purpose is not so mysterious after all. We get to love and be deeply loved right where we're planted by whomever happens to be near. We will inevitably encounter brokenness we cannot fix, solve, or understand. And we will feel small, uncertain, and outpaced as we have ever felt but we will find our very lives in this calling to be among the people as Jesus was, and it will change everything. That's Shannon Martin. So at this time, if we could pass out communion, um, we have an open table here, so you are more than welcome to join us in communion. Um, And we're going to go back to the first question. Why is it so important to share my life? And the implication this week is the first step in being or making a disciple is to share your life through intentional relationship. We share our lives because God has called us to. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. And we get to meet people where they're at in the situation they're in. At CareNet, where I work, the women come to us, but we meet them in the midst of their pain and confusion. We get to sit with them and we listen to what feels like a life or death decision for them. And we get to invite them into a space that is full of hope. With my middle schoolers that I was shopping with, it would have been so much quicker and easier for me to shop alone. I knew the layout of my local Safeways. And instead of walking straight to aisle seven where the cookies were, we walked every single aisle to build relationship. It was totally worth it, but it totally could have been faster if I just did it on my own. And with the Samaritan woman, we got to see how Jesus spoke truth into her life, and then from there, the chapter continues, and her whole community has changed. So... What are some tangible things we can do this week? Our action items this week are, one, look for opportunities in your existing schedule to share your life with people. So do you have somebody in your workplace that you can share your life with? You, most of us eat lunch every single day. Uh, we can eat lunch with them. Um, do you know your neighbors, the ones who live right next door to you or in front of you or behind you? Could you go and get to know them? And the second thing is to, thank you, let the Holy Spirit lead you to the people who are hungry to share life with you. Since we've looked at our schedule, we have space and we can see who is asking these spiritual questions and pray that God would give us words to speak back to them. And this is kind of a call back to last week. Are you listening to what God is saying to you? Are you listening for the people who are asking spiritual questions? And then this also goes back to Sabbath. Are you taking the time to be in God's presence or are you busy to he- too busy hearing other things? to hear what God has to say, to look up and look around to see, oh, this person seems interested. I should probably, you know, wake up. So we are going to transition. I'm going to grab this and not fall over. Uh, We are going to transition into our time of communion. And this is a beautiful moment that we do each week where we can take a moment and listen to what God has to say. So, let's do that. Let's take a moment. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance me let's remember him and in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you
0: drink in, in remembrance of me jesus
1: i thank you that you gave us an example of what it looks like to share our lives. I pray that this week, we would be intentional about looking around, looking to see who is asking those questions, who you're leading us to, and who you're guiding us to. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and words, tame the awkwardness, and help us change the city to know you. Thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church/give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.